we would be honored if you would join us. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Dungeon Crawlers, where we are one man short, but that's okay, because we have the epic, amazing, always talented author Tracy Hickman on with us this evening to talk about Dragonlance writing and anything else we talk about, because, you know, even the pre-show, which you've missed, is all about models and Star Trek and all, all sorts of craziness, so you just- Does that make me like a temp? <laughs> yeah i guess yeah. so yeah, yeah tracy hickman the intern for dcr I has joined see, us yes. today thank you can i get anybody anything <laughs> i don't know can you mm. we'll have to talk to alton say you might have been replaced last week i'll uh, just sit in the corner and wait <laughs> so uh you know uh, tracy has been on the show before multiple times talking about books and other projects that he's worked on but uh, you know, one thing we wanted to bring him on the show about it, to talk about Dragonlance. It seems to kind of been reviving. Uh, I, I'm going to butcher Joe's last name, so I'm just going to say Joe. Uh, with Death Saves, uh, his, his brought, I mean, there's, there's Dragonlance clothing, you know, hoodies and T-shirts and stuff like that, and it's just amazing. Oh. Um, and, and I love this. This is a series that I read as a kid growing up, um, and the characters are always relatable. In fact, right now uh, on audiobook, I'm re-listening to the, the twin series, which still hasn't hasn't lost its charm in, in any way, shape, or form. So we'll talk a little bit about that, some writing and some other stuff. We'll just see where where this adventure goes. Um, so so welcome. Thanks for coming on the show. It's always a pleasure. Oh, it's good to be here with you, Dan. Yeah. As always, I've always I've been with the Dungeon Crawlers Radio for uh, I don't know uh, what has it been about four decades now something like that <laughs> 10 years it's been a decade I mean, it has actually- been it's been it's been a while we've uh, we've been doing this uh, in various locations and in various forms down uh, down through the years and now we're all good friends yeah no actually i think the first time we had you on the show was in 20, 2009 2010 yeah so yeah that's probably about decade. right yeah so it, it's been interesting uh, the journey has been has been a big one and a fun one um no i mean so so crin the world of crin i know a lot of people only focus on Anselm, but I, I there are two continents if i remember right there is another continent that is not very well known um i don't know if that you had a part in that or if it was just Anselon. um but i've always found that it was interesting that that were, that continent also suffered a cataclysm um where are we at in the world of Kryn? Because I know you you created it, and then it kind of is slowly simmered to this this kind of revival setting. It's kind of like vinyl records. It went away, and now it's coming back. Well, it's been it's it's been an amazing journey. That ever since, um, I mean, it's it's uh, what now? It's uh, it's uh, coming up on forty years. Mm-hmm. here not too long the first book was written in 1984 which makes it 37 years old thank you very much because math is not my strong suit and yeah 37 years and uh, since uh since the first books came out and we've seen all kinds of different incarnations of Dragonlance down through the years yeah. uh, in 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 various forms and uh it's been uh, it's been an amazing ride for uh, for both Margaret and myself. Uh, 
as you know some sometimes uh, sometimes inside the company sometimes outside of the company sometimes the company has changed you know i mean um we've gone from we've gone from the the original days with tsr incorporated and uh through Wizards of the Coast's acquisition of TSR and then Hasbro's acquisition of Wizards of the Coast. <laughs> and, you know, as, as bigger fish eat smaller fish. And um, we've seen, um, we've seen, you know, Dungeons and Dragons wane. And then we've seen huge resurgence in D&D, especially in the last, uh, last year or so yeah. um, through the, uh, through the pandemic. And so um, it's, uh, and throughout all of this, um, Dragonlance has uh, has been a constant. Um, it's it has changed, and from time to time, it has moved in different directions from time to time. But Margaret and I have always been grateful that the the, the fandom has always um, considered um, Weiss and Hickman and Dragonlance to be synonymous, yeah. and. Um, uh, and I think it's especially, I think it's especially for the fans that Margaret and I um, have come together, gotten the band together one more time, and uh, and are producing this new Dragonlance series, which I believe is being called Dragonlance Classic, hmm. uh, Dragonlance hmm. Classic line. Nice. For reasons. So not advanced Dragonlance then. No, not advanced Dragonlance. No, uh, this is this is this is Dragonlance classic. Uh, um, I mean, one of the things that I've been so uh, so delighted about Joe Manganiello's work in in uh, Death Saves um, has been his his great love for uh, Dragonlance and uh, his honoring Dragonlance with, with what he does. He always he prefers to use the original logo. You know oh, the yeah. the beautiful Roslov design and uh, Larry Elmore painted logo, and approaches Dragonlance very much from a from a classic and a and a story sense. So uh, I too have uh, have my uh, Death Saves Dragonlance gear, and uh, you know I wish I'd worn it this evening because it would have been I, I'd have looked so much better in it than I than I have before. No, I, I saw your post on social media with your hoodie, and I'm like, oh man, I need one now. Oh, I it's follow, a sweet hoodie, yeah. I love that classic logo. I mean, the 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 one that TSR moved to just before they got acquired with the dragon out was okay, but it just it didn't look as uh, as eye appealing as that classic one with the lance through it and everything. Well, that that classic that classic logo, I think, is has a lot of romance to it, and and still does, and I think it connects with people still. Um, uh, I'm uh, I'm certainly hopeful that we'll be able to use that here in our Dragonlance Classic uh, um, series, um, uh, the, uh, these this new series of books. And I, your uh, don't know if your audience may be interested or not, but um, the first book has been accepted by the publisher. The second book is finished and is ready to go into, into editorial. And we have submitted the outline for the third book. So we are well oh, on our way to, uh, to completing this, uh, uh, this project. 
Well, I mean, I'm assuming with the, you know, the title of Dragonlance Classic, we're going back to some of the original characters or we having new characters or is that just something we can't say right now? I, I, I cannot confirm nor deny any of, uh, any of those observations, um, uh, except, um, except I think maybe what, uh, what I would like to say is that we, Margaret and I, um, in coming back to Crin, um, wanted to provide um, our readers um, what they'd like to see and what they'd like to experience. Um, and, and if that involves something old, something new, um, uh, I think that's all, all, all the better for it. Yeah. It's, and, and I think it's also very much informed for our time. Um, it, it, it's interesting. There's, there's been a lot of controversy in the press uh, in the gaming world anyway lately about uh, uh, diversity and inclusion and um, and you know I, won't, I, I as as you said Dragonlance started 37 years ago and yeah. diversity and inclusion were were not really big topics um, 37 years ago yeah. and so I kind of I I, I kind of uh, felt like I needed a gut check on that and so I I went over and I pulled out um, my copy of Dragonlance Adventures. You know the old hardback that uh, that we had done for uh, AD and D at the time uh, in the world setting, and started going through it. Uh, and um, was really delighted and surprised, and not surprised perhaps, but delighted to see to find that Dragonlance, um, even then, was tremendously. Uh, diverse and tremendously inclusive. Yeah. Um, uh, Theros Ironfeld was uh, represented very early in the books, yep. and um, uh, and down through the years, we've heard from so many, uh, so many of our fans uh, who were so delighted to see a, a character in the D&D world, a prominent character in the D&D world that w had some ethnicity. Um, uh, and, and the more I got into it and, and realized that um, um, uh, there have been a lot of people who've been concerned about um, um, uh, about um, racial stereotyping. Mm -hmm. uh, in particular, as it comes to like alignment, mm -hmm. right? Uh, you know, he's a kobold. Well, he's lawful evil, or he's chaotic evil, or you know, whatever, whatever that moniker is that the game put on those, yeah, uh, on those characters. And as I looked, at, I looked at Dragonlance and and realized that we had a whole section in the Dragonlance Adventures book about floating alignment. And how alignment was determined by character action rather than arbitrarily based on uh, on their class or their or their race. Nice. So you know, it's it's it was actually uh, pleasing to me to uh, uh, to go back and have that gut check and and realize that we had and have 
uh, from the beginning, strong uh, female characters. Yes. Um, uh, Lorana has this great progression through the books um, where she starts out a little bit on the kind of dewy-eyed um, elven princess side, but really grows into herself and becoming an, an independent and strong general yeah. uh, of the armies. Um, Kitiara, nobody wants to mess with her. She's she is her own woman, and she she faces life on her own terms. Yep. And uh, and for that matter, Tika was the same way. Yeah. And so these strong strong female characters have been part of Dragonlance from the very beginning. So I, uh, you know, after the gut check, I'm I was feeling pretty good um, about where we came from and and very much determined about um uh about the uh, about the future i know that someone that had concerned themselves about uh, were concerned about kenders mm, i love those characters yes and and you know i, I though as i've as i've thought about characters the reason care uh, the kender became the way they were is because i objected to thieves as a class hmm. um, I didn't like the idea of people playing thieves but there was a whole skill set that came with thieves that were kind of needed okay. in uh, in dungeon crawling um, and so we came up with the kender and, and the kenders uh, interestingly enough I think um, the kenders tell us more about our obsession with um things mm -hmm. and material objects uh, than they do about the kender themselves. I mean, the, the, the kender just don't care about ownership. I mean, it's just not part of who they are. They're that bad neighbor that borrows stuff and never brings it back, you know? <laughs> and it's not that they're, it's not that they're bad people. It's just that, it's just that they're not overwhelmed or obsessed with the ownership of things the way the way that we are we you know as human beings we have a tendency to go to war over who owns what stuff and uh that's just not that's just not important to the kender yeah and, and locking your door means hey you're you're having a party you know, locking the door means is pretty much an invitation because why would you lock your door if you didn't want me to come yeah yeah exactly. yeah that's pretty that's pretty much it no i mean dragonlance was great but you know growing up that's you kind of hit on it. it you know there wasn't this like wow all the guys were the greatest things and you have these damsels in distress no i mean the women were just as involved as the guys were um you know like you said lorana uh definitely became this mighty general tika that was just a barmaid ended up being just as important as, as caramon and tanis in the war especially with her frying pan um it, it was great seeing just general everyday characters there was no racism no agendas or anything everyone was equal uh, it seemed like you know like you said Ther theros ironfeld he you know he ends up losing his arm and then gets the, the silver arm and can forge the lances which uh yeah i always found that fascinating and fun and even the villains were important uh and and played an integral part in, in the story a good villain it, um, is absolutely convinced that they are the hero. Mm -hmm. Agreed. A good villain 
always needs to be convinced of the rightness of their cause and um, because otherwise they just get kind of snidely whiplash on you and they're not very believable or understandable um the best the best villain villain is the villain that is absolutely convinced that they are doing the right thing yeah uh, that comment right there is something that we've talked about on the show multiple times we've talked about how the difference between a hero and a villain is one choice or sometimes it's put one bad day. Yeah. Uh, that's the difference between a hero and a villain. Both heroes and villains, typically speaking, not always, but typically have an ideology, some belief that is at their core that drives them. And that drive will push them into the fires of death if it has to. And because of that, either the, that makes the hero dangerous for villains or villains dangerous for heroes, right? It's that belief, it, that, that concept is so fascinating. I love that you have that belief when you're writing hero that when you're writing villains, because uh, we we want to avoid the trope of there's this villain who just wants power, just wants to rule. Of course, there are villains like that, sure, but they're not as um, they're not sympathetic, right? It's hard for an audience member to say, you know, it's hard to. I realize who the heroes are. I realize who the villains are. But sometimes it's hard to choose because I understand where they're both coming from. And um, I, the, the film Serenity, for example, I think has one of the best villains of all time because the guy that's fighting against Mal and the other, and the other uh, crew of, the, of Serenity, uh, he is an absolute believer. And you can't, you can't defeat him in his position of belief until you defeat the belief. Do you find when you're writing when, when you're writing your characters, when you're writing your heroes or your villains, and actually I want to focus on the villains for right now, when you're writing your villains, how do you get yourself into that mindset or like how steeped or deep do you get into their belief so that you can do them justice? Well, I think that they're, they're, the, their objectives and their beliefs and, their, and where they're coming from is absolutely essential. Now, whether that is a delusional belief or uh, you know, it depends on the depends on the character. But I I much prefer a villain who has who has who has an absolute moral conviction that they're correct. Um, uh, uh, or 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 is flawed in in a particular way that makes them blind to the the basic uh, fallacy of their conviction. Um. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's interesting. The, one of um, one of my favorite villains uh, is um, uh, Strad von Zarovich uh, from Ravenloft, and uh, he is interesting because he's a true monster. He is um, uh, he is blind to his own um, failings. And, and is so self-absorbed that he, he cannot see um, the, the gaping hole in his, his reasoning and in, and in his logic. Um, uh, Lord, uh, Lord Soth is very much the same way. Um, Lord Soth certainly is, is convinced of the rightness of, of himself and believes himself to be... Um, uh, believes himself to be uh, the person who is wronged, 
in all of this, even to the point of believing that the gods have wronged him in this. If the gods really understood what he was going through, then then they'd have they'd have excused his terrible behavior, and 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 things would have been just fine. Um, and that's you know that's that's true for that matter uh, of the gods themselves. Tachesis doesn't want to take over the world just to take over the world because she's bored on a Saturday night. She's taking over the world because she believes that she can run it better, that that her way truly is better. And and that's you know that's 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 the essence of a really great villain. Um, if you look at the Harry Potter series. Um, there are a lot of villains in the Harry Potter series, and quite frankly, I think Voldemort is a really weak villain, uh, a weak sauce villain. Yeah. Um, the one that I find to be a uh, far more frightening than Voldemort um, uh, was um, why I can't think of her name now. Oh, she wears pink. Yes, she wears pink. Yes. You know uh, exactly who I'm talking about. Umbridge. Yes. Umbridge. yes. Professor Umbridge. Yes. I agree. And she is she is the worst of the villains in the Harry Potter universe because she is so absolutely convinced of the rightness of herself that it justifies any cruelty that she can mete out. Uh, in, in order to bring the world in alignment with uh, with her viewpoint, she is a far more frightening villain to me than Voldemort ever was. Yeah, truth. No, I mean with Voldemort, I just kind of like, uh, okay. But you know, with with Umbridge, man, I grew to hate her, and I'm like, okay, someone's right and her right. This is a villain because I'm I have this desire to. I don't like her. I just want to see her get her comeuppance. Voldemort, like, uh, well, with, uh, the problem with Voldemort is you is is that you don't really have a sense of why, yeah, he's doing this. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not. What is he really trying to achieve other other than I'm the best, I'm the baddest, I'm the you know uh, it. Is he trying to? I, I, okay, man, is he trying? Uh, uh, great, I'm going. To, I I I don't. I wouldn't presume to rewrite you know, the most <laughs> successful book series of all time. But um, but uh, in my head, is he, is he trying to take over the wizarding world so that he can take over the rest of the world? Is he going to just completely overwhelm, you know, come, come out of this kind of shadow of wizardry? And the wizards have all been like hiding somehow from, from, the from the rest of the muggle world and muggle technology you know is is his great plan to like take over the the magical world and then use that power base to take over the muggle world as well and incorporate technology and magic into some great unifying thing that to me is a more interesting objective um yeah, and maybe he is. I don't know. Um, I, we don't talk much. He never writes, and so I, you know. <laughs> well, but... I mean, Grindelwald in in you know the Fantastic Beast. You have a sense of why and a purpose of what he's doing. Um, so, but with Baltimore, it's kind. Of, you're right. It's kind of like. So why is he doing this? Uh, is he trying to be a copycat? Is he gonna 
take over the world? Is it just he wants control of the wizarding world? We, we is never he know. going to be putting a, a, a whole series of waffle houses together? I, yeah, I maybe. whatever it, it magic it, waffle houses, magic waffle houses. I'd be happy to you know think about that. Yeah, I mean, it, you you see that with all the villains in 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 Dragonlance. I mean, Kitiara is you know she's not going to bow to any man, but you know she will until the moment is right, and then she goes to take. You know, she uses Tannis to get the crown of power, and uh, you know, she. That's right, and she's going to she's going to take the crown of power because once she has the crown of power, then everything will be okay because she'll be able to fix it. Yeah, and and that's an objective, you know, that makes sense. Uh, you know, Raceland was very much the same way. Yeah, and 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 through the twin series, you know, I'm I'm going to I'm going to take over. I'm going to take over and I'm going to defeat Takisis and I'm going to take her place because, because I can do it better. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, and even in that series, you know, Kidiara again, is like, you know, she, she's like, I'm going to undermine him. She, he needs to learn a lesson and, you know, and then send Soth after Chrysania. And then, you know, that, that just plays into Raceland's hand. Uh, you know, even the King priest, you know, where he willingly defies the, the gods and commands them, you know, he's doing it in his own arrogance. Yeah, absolutely. He's better. Uh, which That's is the really king bad. priest is another example of a uh, uh, of the good villain. Yeah, he's the he is so sure that he's right that it justifies any means to uh, to achieve it. Yeah, I mean that again. That's why I love the series. Uh, it's it was just it's great. You have all these interwoven intricate interests yeah intricacies there it is i'm getting tongue-tied i'm there for you dan just because i I love the series i uh you know and i hope i hope that you know because it's so sad going to a bookstore and not seeing dragonlance on the shelf anymore um so i hope with these new books coming out we'll see more of the old stuff well i've been i've been i've been very hopeful actually about the about getting um some of the more classic books out back on shelf and I know that there are a lot of our uh, fans that are out there who really want to share this with their, with their children, with the grandchildren, yeah. and uh, and and this whole the whole experience of it. And it's difficult for them to do because you just simply can't find the books. Yeah, yeah. And I, I would love to see a treatment in fifth edition. Uh, you know, we third we, <laughs> edition was the last time we saw one. Yeah, last I've I've I think that's probably the most. Uh, often requested thing that I get online is is there going to be a fifth edition Dragonlance? And I, you know, yeah, I just write the books these days. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah, it's not my department, but uh, yeah. I certainly hope so. I, I we started in D and D, and I I'd love to be able to uh, to go back. That would be nice, even if it doesn't. I, I'm excited for books. Uh, I'm excited to revisit the world and and roam around in there and. Uh, go ahead. And you know what, on, on those notes, uh, so if it, if it's not already obvious, Dan is obviously steeped in the lore of Dragonlance and has probably read them most of his, uh, life. So, so I'm, I'm going to put it this way. My Dragonlance novels are the only novels I have where the back of my spines are broken East and broken. Uh, and some are held together with, uh, uh, packaging tape if you are new to the show and just don't know dan you do not understand the gravity of that statement 
That is enormous. I, I never break the spines of my book, but my Dragonlance one, all of them are broken. So I, on the other hand, am sort of on the other end of the spectrum where I've read the first three books, the books of the Dragonlance Chronicles, the first series, uh, but I never had access to any of the others after that. So I've only know the first three books and I read the first three books like over 20 years ago. So of course I'm like reaching to the recesses of my mind. The reason I wanted to kind of hijack the conversation for a moment is because there are plenty of people who listen to this show who have never read the Dragonlance series. They are just being introduced to it. They're being made aware of it. Maybe they've heard of it in the ether, but now they're listening to the world maker, one of the two primary world builders who started Dragonlance. And maybe they have an interest in this. Also, I'm hoping that some of my friends from decades ago are listening to this show because so many of them got the pronunciation of your character names wrong. And I needed the validation that, that the way I was saying them was correct because so far I've been batting a thousand and I feel pretty good about it. Um, to that end, to that end, uh, in the Chronicles book, we have a handful of main characters. There are the twins. You already yeah. mentioned Raceland. Um, how do you, j just for clarity, how do you pronounce his, uh, twin brother's name? I know how I say it, but I'll let I you know how I say it too. So okay, maybe I'm, we should do I'm... that. Maybe we should do that. Dan, how do you say it? Caramon. Yeah. I say Caramon too. What does Tracy say? <laughs> Smiling. I say, even when it comes to Raceland, we, we, we get pronunciations depending on the geographical area. Sure. Okay. Um, there are many areas in the country that produce it, pronounce it Raslin okay. or Raslin. Mm -hmm. um, and, and there are other places that pronounce it in other ways. Um, and so I'm going to answer your question. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just waiting for this loaded gun to go off. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, and, and, here, and, here, and here it is. Karaman. Not joking. Go ahead. Now, Karam. Oh, that's good. I like Karam. The, the I mean, people come up to us at conventions and and, <laughs> and places when we visit all the time, and they want to know how to how to pronounce these things. But but at the same time, people will also come up to us at the conventions, and they will um, start telling us about our books. And on the face of it, that sounds really ridiculous to tell me about the book that I wrote. You'd think I'd have read it before. But the <laughs> truth is that there, and as I've come to understand down through the years and met uh, so many wonderful fans, what I've come to understand is that what they're really trying to tell me about is their performance of my book. Um, uh, if, uh, and we've talked about this before, but, but if you look at the uh, uh, data density of a novel, um, it is extremely low. In fact, uh, the worst photograph that you can take with the crappiest phone uh, today um, actually has a larger file size than a completed novel. And that's because the data density in the novel really isn't that great. And if you think about it, it's a long string of symbols 
mm-hmm. that are kind of you know broken up on the page so that it fits on the page. But in essence, it's a very long string of symbols. Um, but not terribly data dense. What happens is that the reader reads those words and in that white space in between the words, there's the spark of creation that takes place where you take all those symbols and in that white space, all of the sights and the sounds and the smells and the experience of the written word emerge in your mind and you fill all of that in with your imagination. And so a book is actually a collaborative uh, creation, both between the writer and the reader. And the performance that the reader gives of that book is unique to them. No two people read the same book. I think, I think it may have been Michener that said that there are as many books as there are readers because each one brings their own interpretation, their own prejudices, their own thoughts, their own experience to the book. And the book that they create in their mind is different between each person. And so if you think about that, there are actually millions of incarnations of Kryn that are uh, all across the globe and in different countries, different, different languages, different cultures, and each one colored by the other. And so when, when someone reads the book and if they read the book and they pronounce it Raslin, in their performance, that's how it's, that is how it sounds. And in that universe that they have created based on our words, that pronunciation is correct. And so whenever people come and ask me, how do you pronounce this word? Or how do you pronounce this name? I said, well, how do you pronounce it? When you read it, how did it sound to you? And they'll tell me and I, I say, yes, yep, that's exactly how it, how it is. Because that's, it's true. Yeah. Yeah, so, that, so I most... may pronounce these names my, you know, in, in the way in my head that the world exists, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's, that's how it exists in the world that they've created. It, doesn't ne- it isn't necessarily how it exists in their performance right. of the world. That is the most generous answer I've ever heard an author give. And probably the longest. So Uh, there you go, Josh. You're batting a thousand and zero all at the same time. So if I were watching your performance of your book, how would you pronounce that name? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's always been Karaman to me. So, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um, Yeah. As and a derivative of caring man, I believe, is actually where nice uh, where i, I like that from before that, is, that really suits the character it does is, is raceland a derivative similar um raceland is not a derivative of anybody raceland is his own person boy ain't that the truth oh, yes. yeah. wait till you read the books yes <laughs> yes please do one of my favorite mages of all time yeah absolutely um just just for your own edification not that you haven't already heard you know, 300,000 different answers to this. But uh, I had a buddy that um, he had read the books before I had, and he was super duper into them. And when I said Raceland the first time, he goes, Josh, dude, it's not pronounced that way. It's pronounced Raceline. And I was like, that feels weird, but I hear you. I get what you're saying. 
Um, and he was just dead set. That's how it's pronounced, Raisleen. And based so on the previous rhymes with words. Jolene. Here is that how that. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, oh, I'm not going to okay. sing it. I think I'm I've got it in my head out. Raisleen, 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 Raisleen. Hey, I could work. Yeah, we'll call Dolly Parton. We'll see if we can get it. Right. I'm sure she's a Dragonlance fanatic. I'm sure she is. I'm sorry. Next, <laughs> next roller coaster at Dollywood. Yeah. Uh, but okay, so uh, there are some questions that I like to ask authors whenever they come on the show. And actually, and and Dan, you might appreciate this. I have a brand new question that is going to be my standard what? fair question of a new all question. Guests. A new question. What? A new I have standard a new question. question. Yes, first standard, old standard questions, then oh. new standard question, and then we'll have like all the questions. Ready? Here we go. First question. Uh, usually when authors are creating characters, whether they be heroes or villains, that hero or villain ends up being a caricature or a reflection of some aspect of the author's persona. Not always the case, but many times the case, or rather so that they can give life to that character, they dig into their own personal experience. What, which hero and which villain do you most identify with? Um. Sturm is who I want to be. Uh, Tannis is probably closer to who I am. And I probably come across more like Fizban. Excellent. Um, uh, as, as for villains, it's, that's more difficult because I, I, uh, I can see the flaws in each of the villains' um, yeah, in in the different villains' logic, I'm not sure that he counts as a villain, but I'd probably say Dalimar. Mm. Ooh, that I like. I like that character. That, that's a good uh, although the villain, although the uh, um, the guys whose job I think I'd most like to have would be a Stennis. Nice. Yeah, a lot of books. A lot of books, lots of books. Um, There are times when the author gets into the flow of telling the story and they discover the life of that story. The story takes on a life of its own is usually the expression, right? And what it means is that the story starts to flow in such a natural way that you feel like a conduit as as opposed to the source. And then comes a point in the story where you know the story has to go a certain way or it has to be told a very specific way, but you don't want to do it that way. Have you ever had that experience? And if so, what was it? I, I, had, I had an experience where I was writing a book, uh, a series with my wife. And it was, I think it was the second book in the series, the Bronze Canticle series. And uh, I was moving, I was writing merrily along, writing, 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 writing. And the characters had, had, had trooped off through the mount, uh, into the mountains, had come to a great huge valley, and they just stopped. And it was like they were looking up at me from the page and saying, where do we go? What, where, where do we, we don't know where to go. We're just stuck here. What do we do? And I, you know, and I'm looking back at the page and I said, well, I don't know. Come on, guys. Just, you know, you got to get over the mountain. You got to go up the valley and you got to go and find this thing over here. And why we don't know why we're going there and they just stood there on the page and i thought okay i'm sorry 
Yeah, I apologize to the characters, <laughs> you know, that I dragged them up here with the, you know, and I, and went back and looked further back down, and and sure enough, I looked back further down about four chapters back, and I had failed to give them any motivation for doing any of this whatsoever, and they just stood there, and yeah. So I, I I went back, I fixed that, rewrote those chapters, and we got to that point. And they said, "Yeah, okay, we know exactly where we're going." Okay. And they were really relieved. So was I, uh, to 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 uh, to to get them to move on. I think I, I don't usually have that kind of problem, though. And the reason that I don't uh, have that kind of problem is that um, I always, uh, first of all, I always outline for structure. Um, but um, and uh, I've I've used told this before, but. I always I always think about outlines and writing um, uh, as holding a, a a handful of marbles. If uh, if if you have an outline and you have uh, and you put all the marbles in your hand and you squeeze and hang onto that outline too tightly, as to where you think the characters should go and what they should do, um, pretty soon marbles start popping out all over the place and you lose your marbles. <laughs> uh, on the other hand, if you, I think as a writer, at least for me, if I, if I just open my hand and say, oh, characters go wherever you will, and I will follow you and see where it leads us here in the narrative, I feel like it loses all structure and direction and you'd lose your marbles again. But you should hold, but I always try to hold that outline like you hold a handful of marbles, which is you, you know, you, you form a shape the structure, the form, and then you let the marbles settle naturally into that, or as my wife likes to say, organically into that. Uh, if That approach has always worked really well for me. It, it means that the characters and the plot are going to move forward the way they need to move forward, but it also leaves enough room so that their motivations and, and their relationships and, and, and even events, for that matter, can happen more naturally than, than just because I said so. Right. That's, that's excellent. That's fantastic. Um, just a couple more quick questions here and then I'll pass the torch back to Dan, but um, you know, one thing, question yet? Uh, we have not gone to the new question yet, yeah. but we will, there, we will. In fact, actually for the sake of time, there was one more question I wanted to ask, but maybe we'll make it a bonus I, feature yeah. after the interview. A bonus question. A bonus question. The but lightning we'll, round. Yeah. Well, actually there is a lightning round that I had oh, in my okay. head. I would love to get through, but uh Here's here's the next new standard question. Uh, what do you think of the 1983 film Kroll? Oh my gosh! Seriously, that is the new standard question. I will ask every guest. <laughs> that is an excellent question. Thank you. I haven't seen it. Well, it, it only came out in 1983, so you're not too far behind. Yeah. Okay. Well, it came you out know, shortly I, after Empire Strikes Back. It's only 38 years old, so you know you're fine. I see. Okay. I was. I was. I think I was busy at the time. Yeah, 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 I think so. Probably writing Dragonlance. And have been busy since. So, yeah. yes. I think you were washing your hair that night. I think that's that what was it. Was that, I'm sure that was it. What? Yeah, back when I had hair. Um, are you ready for a lightning round? <laughs> I am. I'm as ready as I will ever be. Awesome. Favorite movie? <sighs> uh, Mr. Hobbs Takes a Vacation. Oh, that's excellent choice. Uh, favorite color? Blue. Middle name? Ray. Uh, your favorite food? Chinese casserole. 
worst thing you ever read? I have not yet read the worst thing I have ever read. <laughs> <laughs> what was what type of pet was your first pet? Uh, 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 cat. If you could bring any fantasy creature to life, what fantasy creature would you bring into this world? Pegasus. Optimist or pessimist or realist? Optimist. And uh, finally, favorite tabletop game? Favorite tabletop game? Favorite tabletop game is Fantasy Flight's uh, Journeys in Middle-Earth. Yes! Ah, I was hoping you'd say that. I, I, I'll, I, I'll be honest. Alton, Alton fed me that one some time ago, and I was hoping it was still the case because because I, of that, I got yeah, the game, and I uh, love that game. I have I have all of the expansions. I have hand painted <gasps> miniatures, and we have played through as a family. We have played through all of the scenarios, including the DLC content, and <sighs> loved every minute of it. Uh, folks at home, you don't know this, but prior to the show. Tracy Hickman showed us his model building skills and they are divine. So I am, I am, I am salivating to see these models someday. So let's go ahead and, and put a button on this uh, real quick. Um, if I, in all honesty, had you seen the movie crawl, the show would be two hours long, but that's okay. We'll move on. We'll move on. I'm, I'm happy to have shortened that for you. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Awesome. Well, listeners uh, don't know the gift they just got. That's I know, right? <laughs> uh, Tracy Hickman, thank you so very much for being on the show, for joining us. We know that you're a busy guy. Uh, we also know that you are D&D famous and we are honored by your presence. Thank you very much for being here. We appreciate you. Oh, it's my pleasure to be here. I, I love Dungeon Crawlers have for quite some time. I'm always happy to come on. I'll tell you what, though, what we should do is make a date um for uh later on and uh i'll come in and uh uh as soon as soon as it's possible we will read some uh read some of the new book <gasps> guys ladies and gentlemen tracy hickman just asked us all on a date <laughs> yes yes a thousand okay, times but you yes. guys are buying i'm not paying for the food oh absolutely okay. absolutely you can expect the highest quality dominoes It'll I don't know. Great. There's that really good smelling Indian place next to Mythos. Um, oh, that's true. Hey, you know, we should do live from Mythos. That would be hot. We should. We should do live from Mythos and we'll be able to do that. <sighs> yeah. And uh, for all of you who are wondering, yes, thank you very much. I've had both of my vaccines and I'm good to go. <laughs> so. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. If only we knew someone who worked at or owned Mythos that we could talk mm. to, but we'll work on that. We'll dig into that and yeah, make sure yeah. that happens. I, think I know can... a guy. It'll be okay. Yeah. I bet you I do. Think we all know a guy. <laughs> so, uh, again, where can uh, the listeners find you? I, I know you're on social media and you have your sites, but uh, remind them again. Uh, yeah, by all means, find us uh, on, on social media. I'm on Facebook, and uh, I occasionally tweet, um, uh, although my tweets uh, are not earth-shattering, um, gratefully. Um, but uh, you can find me on Facebook, and, and I uh, ha also haunt a couple of groups on Facebook, a couple of Dragonlance books, uh, Dragonlance uh, groups on Facebook, and actually kind of admin one that's called Dragonlance Legacy. 
and uh, um, you should be able to find me there. Or you can go to trhickman.com, and which is my own website, and uh, where I occasionally uh, put my meanderings uh, as well. Um, and with uh, and hopefully with um, uh, the waning of this pandemic, I'm uh, very much looking forward to getting together with uh, fans again and uh, and meeting them in person. So um let's uh let's get those books signed by all means yes 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 all right folks it's that time it's time to say goodbye but uh hopefully soon we'll have a, a new Dragonlance book that you'll be able to read and share with your friends and the old classic stuff will become available to share with your children your nephews your aunts your uncles everyone that loves to read here i've got a close for you maybe this will help yes now it's time to say goodbye to all our company. D-R-A-G-O-N-L-A-N-C-E. Nice. There you go. <laughs> so with that said, folks, we'll catch you next time. And all our Dragon Lanceteers, please remember to always be epic and don't suck. Remember, the Force will be with you. Always. Dungeon Crawlers. 